Blue Wire. Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4. Jackson takes it himself, looking dark back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankle. Watson stays on his feet, throws on the run, touchdown. Watson, a magician. Mahomes winds it up wide open. Welcome back here to another episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast. I am your host, Ari Marov. We have another fantasy football-themed episode for this week with another special guest. And once again, it is a really good one. But first, before we go to that, the NFL had a few big-time extensions over the last week. We saw George Kittle in San Francisco, five years, $75 million dollars. Finally, the tight end market resets. Kittle gets $15 million per year on average with this deal. One of the best, if not the best tight end in all of football, finally gets paid the former fifth round pick. Someone who can catch, someone who can block, someone who brings energy, someone who is just simply awesome. Well deserved for him. Shortly after that, Travis Kelsey. He got his extension in Kansas City. Four years, $57 million for him. He slides in right under Kittle for highest paid tight end in the NFL. The Bills, they pay their left tackle, Deion Dawkins. He gets four years and $60 million there in Buffalo. And then on Saturday, we saw the Green Bay Packers and nose tackle Kenny Clark. They agreed to a four-year, $70 million extension. Now, at one point this offseason, extensions were like not a thing just because there was so much uncertainty. And there still is. But that has changed. Besides for all those extensions I just mentioned, we've seen Bosa, we've seen Garrett, we of course saw Mahomes, which was the big one, we saw Chris Jones, we saw Derrick Henry, we saw a few others get paid as well. And now, with the season inching closer and closer, there are a few other names that we're going to have to keep an eye on. The big one is for sure Deshaun Watson in Houston. The Texans are working on that. Do not expect it to be a 10-year deal like Mahomes. Whenever his gets done, it's going to be a shorter-term deal unlike what Mahomes did with Kansas City. Jalen Ramsey, he with the Los Angeles Rams, they have been talking about this. Ramsey does not want to answer questions about it, but they gave up a lot to get him, so they have to figure something out over there in L.A., Ronnie Stanley, who was taken with the pick after Ramsey in his draft. He's also looking for a deal in Baltimore, one of the best left tackles in all of football. He is entering the final year of his deal as well. Tredavious White, Matt Milano in Buffalo. Keep an eye on them. DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona. He wanted out of Houston. One of the reasons apparently was because of his contract. We'll see if something gets done over there. There are a few star receivers entering the final year of their deals. Keenan Allen, Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, they're all in the final year of their contracts. Will they get new deals? A few running backs as well in the same situation. Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara. Will something happen with them before the season? So just a handful of guys to keep an eye on as the season inches closer and closer. There's a bunch of other guys as well. But teams have shown that they are willing to do extensions even with all the circumstances. And we'll see how many more get done as the season gets closer. September 10th kickoff, Kansas City versus Houston. 
All right, on to our guest for this week. And last week, of course, we had Evan Silva on the podcast, and he was great with all the fantasy tips, strategies, advice, and much more. Go check that out if you have not done so yet. This week, we continue with the fantasy talk, and this week, John Hansen was my guest. Now, John has been in the industry for over 20 years. He founded FantasyGuru.com, then he sold it, now he started FantasyPoints.com, and the staff that he is building there is tremendous. We went position by position, talked sleepers, value picks, players not to draft, and much, much more. Before we go to John, a quick word from our sponsors. As you all know, Sundays with football is around the corner, and with NFLSundayTicket.tv, you could stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on all your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you are, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the best football Sundays. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Again, that is NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. This week's episode is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Sports is back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events and there is no better place to start than our exclusive partners BetOnline. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds, futures, props, and up-to-date sports news. It is all available 24-7. And remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, blu E-W-I-R-E to receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering experts. All right, so now here is my full discussion with John Hansen of FantasyPoints.com. We all know the football season is going to be much different than what we're used to. The same applies for fantasy football. It's going to be different this year than what we're all accustomed to. So I covered a lot here with John. Here it is, my full discussion with John Hansen. All right, joining me now here on the My Sports Update Football Podcast, it is someone who has been in the industry for a long time. He is the founder of FantasyPoints.com. The team he is building there is really impressive. You can listen to him every morning on Sirius XM. It is the guru himself, John Hansen. John, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing very well, Ari, yes, and uh, this is the first time you and I have met. I just want you to know that I do not require you or anyone else to call me the guru. Mm -hmm. It is a name that obviously it started when I made a really incredible uh, pick in 1989. I took uh, Sterling Sharp in round uh, two, uh, and people are like, what? And then um, (laughs) one guy said, man, man, you're the guru, and and that's kind of the genesis of that, but uh, it's great to be with you and uh, helping me promote the new website is much appreciated uh, fantasypoints.com yep and i mentioned this in the intro that you've been doing this for a long time give the people here a rundown of how long you've been in the industry because i know you had a website before fantasypoints.com give the people here a short rundown of your history yeah i started playing fantasy football in the 80s actually in 1987 so i i learned about it one hour before the draft by the way and uh did really well in it because I was a big sports fan and, and covered, uh, 
you know, and followed closely uh, the NFL and MLB. In 1995, I was uh, just out of college. The economy wasn't all that great. I had a young uh, wife and, and son to uh, provide for. So I, I got the idea of doing a, a little local television show in Atlantic City, New Jersey, because I, I was actually a rock disc jockey um, about, you know, giving out advice on this show. And that went very well. So the next year, 1995, I decided to start a little hard copy newsletter. And uh, I thought maybe I could get, you know, people who watch the show to subscribe for some residual income, which was the case. Mm -hmm. 1996, I actually got contacted by ESPN uh, to help them, you know, cultivate their fantasy section, which was absurd uh, and and very fortunate for that. So um, I did that for seven years, quit my uh, full-time job uh, while working at the old website, which was fantasy guru. Mm-hmm. com and uh, quit my job in in the late 90s I've been doing this uh, full-time here for 20 years back in 2015 I did um, sell fantasyguru.com but five years later here I am I'm back a lot of my old contributors some new faces and uh, we're bringing the band back together and uh, one last chance and and one last effort to uh, achieve perfection is really uh, what, what I'm looking at. So I'm excited and uh, energized to, uh, you know, I already done, you know, it's already done that. It's like um, creating a site and a brand. I've been there, done that. So I'm, I'm excited to do it all over again. Yep, and you're really building an all-star team there at FantasyPoints.com. And one of the things that I really like about it is that you guys have an insider there with Adam Kaplan, which is really interesting and especially in a year like this where we really don't know exactly what's going on we're not getting the same amount of information that we would usually get in a regular year i think that is probably huge for a year like this right oh god yeah absolutely yeah no doubt about it i've been doing some live streams with adam kaplan this week and and saying you know we really we're counting on you man we need you more (laughs) than ever you know because we're not getting the intel that we normally Wood and Adam has got great relationships with a lot of uh, you know assistant coaches and things like that. Where you know a lot of times he gives us information that we can't even use, mm-hmm. but we work it into the analysis. You know, maybe somebody says, "Why is this guy so low?" I see no reason. Well, it's it's probably because we have intel that no one else has. Mm, for sure. So I'm assuming the closest comp to what we have going on this year in fantasy is going to be the 2011 lockout. Would that be fair to say? I would say so. I would say so. There's no doubt about it. Although this year is obviously, you know, if you're watching hard knocks, you see like every single thing that everyone involved does on a day-to-day basis is, is like five times more complicated from, uh, you know, setting up and sitting in the locker room to, you know, team meetings and things like that. So obviously uncharted territory there, but back in 2011, it, it wasn't that bad for, young players like Cam Newton and AJ Green and Julio Jones, of course, that they were transcendent talents. Yep, it's just going to be a fascinating season, a fascinating fantasy season, something like we've never seen before. So let's get right into it. Let's talk some fantasy here. And I said this last week that I am always getting DMs on Twitter. My DMs are open. And one of the most common questions I get, especially this time of year, is people are looking for the value picks. They are looking for their sleepers, right? So let's go position by position. We're going to start at running back, and you let me know who you like this year as your sleepers. So who are your favorite sleepers at the running back position this year? My big mantra this year, usually every year, is I want to be careful with running backs because there's a reason 
that people were scared off of them four or five years ago and, and ignoring them. Uh, of course, times have changed. So people are scooping up these running backs left and right. So I, I just want to get running backs, young guys. It's a young guy's position more than any other in the league. And I want to make sure I'm drafting guys whose best football is in front of them, like uh, Miles Sanders or obviously rookie Clyde Edwards Elaire and uh, Josh Jacobs, I, I think is a, a nice little, not a great value, but you might be able to get them in round number two, which is great. Um, but ironically, I guess the first value I see, and I've never really been a big Melvin Gordon guy, but, you know, especially coming out, but, you know, I warmed up to him because he, he was solid, but there's no doubt in my mind that they, they brought him in for a reason. They want him to be the bell cow. I've been told by a bunch of people that, you know, they, they have real questions about Philip Lindsay in pass pro and Melvin's pretty good in that. So I think he's a sneaky little pick here in round number three. I am uh, very, very bullish on Jonathan Taylor. I know it's a little risky here with uh, Marlon Mack in the mix, but I would argue if Mack were not in the mix, Taylor would probably be a, a top seven running back. So I just can't get past the the idea of him running behind Quentin Nelson and the rest of this old line. I also like Cam Akers a lot. I, I think it's only a matter of time until he ascends here to the top of the depth chart. Smart kid, good football intelligence, versatile and uh, off to a really good start. So that's another good example. I like Kareem Hunt this year. I know the Browns love him. I think he is a risky dude for obvious reasons, but man, uh, great player. And I will take him in round five. Maybe it's a little bit of an overpay, but um, I, I like, you know, investing in uh, high end talents. I, I love Tariq Cohen this year. I do expect the bears to bounce back. And I think Cohen is going to be a, a big part of that. Not a great old line, but a very good receiver. Top five last year in targets and obviously in catches. Moving down the board here, I'm not a Ronald Jones guy. No. I may invest a later pick on Keyshawn Vaughn if he continues to, to drop in fantasy drafts. There's a pretty good look right there at uh, some of the choice running backs that I am uh, isolating this year. Yeah, but I want to go back to Kareem Hunt for a second because it was interesting to me where the Browns used the second-round tender on him this offseason, which they really didn't have to do because he was a third-round pick that could have used their original tender. No one would have really signed him. But them using that second-round tender kind of makes me think that they really like him there with Stefanski. And the other thing is, and I'm pretty sure you're the one who mentioned this, he had similar numbers by the end of the last, by the second half of last year to Nick Chubb. Am I right? Yeah, he was actually – he was better than Chubb in PPR leagues in six of eight games. And over those final eight games, Hunt was RB17 in PPR. He ranked sixth among running backs and targets. Uh, never saw more than nine carries in a game, though. That actually could change because, you know, I'm told that they want to want to use him as a runner as well with a potent one-two punch there with Nick Chubb. And, and he's also worked a little at receiver. They're, they're very thin at receiver. You know, once you get past Jarvis Landry and OBJ, they really have nothing. So, I mean, he could he could line up in the slot at times. So, so many different paths to you know fantasy relevancy here for uh, Kareem Hunt. Yeah, so we both agree there on Kareem Hunt. I like him in fantasy this year. I want to throw one more name at you, and this is somebody who Field Yates mentioned two weeks ago on the podcast here, and I actually liked it. He said. David Johnson. David Johnson, of course, somebody who they traded for this offseason in the Hopkins trade. I would assume that they're going to use him a lot. As Field said, they have to sleep in the bed they made. What do you think of David Johnson in fantasy this year? 
Yeah, no doubt about it. There, there's a huge role forthcoming. I think the one thing that helped out Carlos side, because, you know, as you know, it, it is a downfield passing attack in, in Houston. And Deshaun Watson is obviously a threat as a thrower and a runner. I think Carlos Hyde had a lot of success running against lighter boxes. I think that's going to have to be the case for David Johnson, because I personally am out on David Johnson. I have found over the years, if you, if you focus on volume, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, like a woman explaining, you know, a potential, you know, guy she's interested in, like, and right. focuses on like, oh, he's got a great personality and he's this and it. never, never talk about his appearance. Why? Because it's low down the list here. So, um, you know, when you, when you talk about David Johnson, everyone focuses on the volume and that's in the role and, and all that. And that's great, but it's no good to anyone if he's not any good anymore. I mean, I would argue he has not run the ball well Ari, since the Obama administration, okay, oh, wow. in 2016. So I am a little worried. They also have Duke Johnson. They're not going to just throw him away. They gave up a third-round pick for him. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. David Johnson can get a lot out of the back uh, in the passing game. That's really been his key to success recently, seven touchdowns the last two years. But, again, Watson is not really a good check-down quarterback, so I don't necessarily – see a lot of, uh, you know, a ton of catches for David Johnson. So I'm out on DJ. Interesting. So as you said before, you are looking for people who have their best football ahead of them, not guys who have it most likely behind them from what you see. Okay, so we did a bunch of running backs. We did a handful of them there. Let's move over to the wide receiver position. And when I look at this position, I see so many guys available, so many value guys at this position who are some of your favorites because i have a lot here yeah and that's a good reason why you should get into the running back business early because you're not maximizing the depth at wide receiver this year which is outstanding as you mentioned if you load up on wide receiver so i'm actually most likely if possible if i can get a crack at two running backs that i really like i'm probably passing on the big names Thomas and Adams and Julio and I love Godwin but maybe pass on him and Tyreek and all that so I kind of like the second tier guys guys who are like go-to guys for their teams good players maybe not elite studs but huge roles and more importantly available in the third fourth fifth round so my ideal draft plan has me starting running back running back then in round three I'll, I'll probably look to add at least one wide out with my next two picks among guys like Allen Robinson, very good player, mm -hmm. huge role. Adam Thielen, same deal, very high on him. Calvin Ridley, third year breakout is going to happen here, I think. Okay. And uh, mm -hmm. I like him. Robert Woods as well. Love me uh, some DJ Chark. Mm -hmm. I like him as well, yes. That is another one. Um, and then moving down the list, I mean, young breakout, second year guys, DK Metcalf, Hollywood Brown, Deontay Johnson all in on, on those names, uh, kind of like Jarvis as a sneaky value. I've kind of undersold him the last couple of years. Then I'm, I'm probably not, not loving some of these other names here, like Stefan Diggs and Devonte Parker. I've got some questions there. I, I do like Will Fuller, by the way, I've never liked him, but I like him this year as a pick Darius Slayton. I think uh, Bashar Perriman is, is, is underrated. Uh, you're not getting any love in, in fantasy, actually. Not at all. Um, yeah, and then I have the three rookies that I've kind of isolated that I think can rise above all these challenges are Jalen Rager, who's going to start. He's going to be their X receiver. Michael Pittman, I think a plug-and-play X receiver there. 
for the Colts. And uh, Henry Ruggs with the ghost of Al Davis making that pick. I know they've got a lot of weapons, but I think there's going to be a little edict handed down to get this kid the ball. They, they want the next Tyreek Hill. It could be Ruggs. Definitely. And again, there are so many guys at this position this year. I really like two guys that you mentioned there. I love Calvin Ridley this year in Atlanta. I think he's poised for a monster year. Everyone there in that organization is talking highly about him. 17 touchdowns in his first two years. I think he is someone who goes over a thousand yards receiving this year for the first time in his career. I also really like DJ Shark, another guy you mentioned over a thousand yards last year, made the Pro Bowl, a very talented kid. I also like Christian Kirk in Arizona. I like Alan Lazar in Green Bay. I think both of those guys are very intriguing. And what about here somebody who is super a super late pick in fantasy? Scotty Miller in Tampa Bay is really interesting to me. You know, Bruce Arians has mentioned he's added 10 pounds of muscle. He's in line for the number three wide receiver position in Tampa Bay. I think he is someone who could be valuable underneath in those screen routes with Tom Brady. He's someone who has a lot of speed as well. He can fly. What do you think about him? Yeah. Yeah, he can he can line up probably outside, but ideally he would be in your slot because uh, he's a smaller receiver yeah. here. I guess the problem I have is number one, obviously Tom is new to the team here, so we I think he's a high reps guy, and he's a high comfort level guy, and you know it's it's kind of like me and like when I people ask me like how how do you do radio uh, all the time and and not you know and still do all your work I'm like well because I've already practiced and, and prepared for the radio I don't prepare for it because that's what I'm doing like all the time whereas right. Tom is like you know he's been in the same offense for like two decades you know it really probably has been a huge advantage that he doesn't have this year but I think more importantly I just think they'll go a lot of 12 personnel with all the tight ends here. So I don't know how many snaps that, that Scotty Miller gets. I think to me, he would be, you know, someone to keep an eye on more of a waiver wire guy. Um, but otherwise uh, for me, some of the names that I like, I mentioned uh, the rookies whose ADPs are still over, over 100. Um, I think uh, Anthony Miller in Chicago um, is probably the second option in the passing attack behind Robinson, which is solid. I actually kind of like Nikhil Harry a little bit. I hated him last year, but, you know, Cam is always thrown to those big-bodied receivers on the outside like Kelvin Benjamin and, and Devin Funchess, in part because he's a little erratic and, and inaccurate. But, you know, Harry could be a decent outside receiver and red zone threat for them. Down the line here, man, Steve Sims yeah. for the win in Washington. Yes, yes. They just got nothing else. So that kid is uh, quite intriguing. Actually, on the same team, Antonio Gandy-Golden. The rookie, yeah. yeah. He could start on the outside because they lost uh, Kelvin Harmon. And I know they want to attack down the field. He can run vertical routes. Um, Brian Edwards is not a bad stash and hope guy uh, for the Raiders. They love him. He's probably a year away. But, you know, Tyrell Williams has had some issues there staying on the field. And, uh, yeah, there you go. I think that's – oh, here's, here's a deep one here. This is deep. Let's hear Demir Bird. Uh, in New England. You know, I actually had Mike Reese on the podcast. He mentioned him as someone to watch in fantasy this year for New England. I've had the exact same conversation with Mike Reese because I threw it out to him. Yeah. And I was so happy uh, because it was, it was a guess. I mean, it was an off-season guess. But he ran like a 4-3-40. And they don't have anyone who could run. And, by the way, play for the Panthers. And uh, he's got a relationship with Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so so those are a bunch of guys who are late guys, guys you have to keep your eye on. You know, again, it's a very deep wide receiver pool this year. I want to go back for a second to somebody who, I don't know if he's going to go early, but somebody who's going to go, who could be a sleeper in a way. Somebody who once upon a time was considered a top five wide receiver in the NFL. What do you think of A.J. Green in fantasy this year? Obviously, he's been injured the past couple of years. He's playing on the franchise tag, one year, $18 million. What do you think of him with a new quarterback this year? Not an easy call for, for obvious reasons. We haven't seen A.J. Green in, in nearly, you know, like a year and a half, you yeah. know, playing well. I do love Burrow, but that, that's a little bit of a, a challenge here for the rookie, the COVID-19 crap and all that, but... You know, we saw Justin Jefferson ball out with Burrow. I think that's a little bit more of a, a Tyler Boyd scenario, but Jamar Chase is just unbelievable. I mean, the kid yeah. is going to be a top five pick next year. So mm-hmm. it's not like uh, Burrow didn't, um, you know, click with an outside receiver. And uh, I think Burrow's got maybe a little bit stronger arm than uh, than an Andy Dalton. Um, I, I guess I'm I'm just fine with him. I'm not – I don't find myself, oh – Man, I got to get AJ Green this year, but I've always loved him. Obviously, hell, I called him a Hall of Famer's rookie year. Yeah, and what and what was he? He was he was the fifth or sixth? I think he was the fourth overall pick in that 2011 draft out of Georgia. Someone who obviously super talented. Injuries did catch up with him, but here he is on the franchise tag, 18 million dollars one year. If he does well this year, he'll have a chance to get paid one more time before or at his age. 33 season all right so we just mentioned a bunch of wide receivers here a bunch of value wide receivers in fantasy let's move over to the tight ends and everyone knows about the top three or four guys who are you aiming for after they go off the board because there seems to be a lot of intriguing guys available this year i don't remember a year where we had this many people that i just like i like a lot of guys here at this position group 100%. And a lot of it is young ascending players. Now, I'm sure 70% of them are going to let us down. Yeah. But they sure as hell look good right now going in. So what I've tried to do is narrow down the field to like my top five breakout players in terms of younger players. I'll start with Hayden Hurst in Atlanta. I think he's more athletic than Austin Hooper. I think he's a little bit more physical than Austin Hooper. Great guy. We all know about his off the field challenges Mm -hmm. and uh Mm -hmm. we certainly root for him i mean for that alone but you know matt ryan is really taking a liking to him i sat down with him for 10 minutes at the combine several years ago it's like talking to a 38 year old man i mean he's (laughs) very very mature dude i mean we all know he played major league baseball and minor league baseball but uh i like him to get a lot of volume because again i think their their running game is is sketchy right now with Gurley. their run blocking wasn't very good last year and their defense is going to be bad again so i think they're gonna have to throw it a lot matt ryan is the only quarterback i have projected to throw over 600 balls this year Mm -hmm. next up i think i'm gonna go noah fant i think in denver they're gonna go a lot of 12 personnel Um, i'm not exactly expecting much from the rookie kj hamler i kind of feel like fant could be and i love jerry judy i really do but i feel like at least initially Fant could be kind of a go-to guy you know next in line after Cortland sutton i still love hawkinson his former teammate 
Uh, boy, I was patting myself on the back after week one last year because I yeah. loved Hawkinson. Against and then Arizona, he, yeah. Yeah, then he fell off a cliff. Of course, it was Arizona. But he's a stud. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever been more confident in a player eventually panning out as a high-end talent and, and stud. Um, I like Chris Herndon quite a bit. I think it's a very yeah. tight end friendly offense. I've talked to Adam Gase about Herndon. He was very high on him when he was down in Miami. When, when Herndon was at the U, he, he, he wanted him there. So, and I think Sam Darnold loves throwing in the middle of the field, as we saw last year with uh, Jamison Crowder, who I actually really liked last year more than, more than most. And then Jay Sternberger is, um, boy, it's a, it's a leap of faith, but that's my guy late. I mean, very talented player. I see some Travis Kelsey in him, and, man, do they have a need in Green Bay. I just don't know if Aaron Rodgers trusts him just yet. He did score in the playoffs last year. Um, you got to be patient with him, but if the planets align, he, he could break out even in year two. Yeah, I, I basically agree with all of that. You basically had my entire list there of guys that I like at tight end. One more guy that I would add, though, Mike Gesicki, the Dolphins tight end, former second-round pick, showed a lot of promise last year. I think he'll get a bunch of targets this year, especially after we saw a couple of Dolphins wide receivers opt out of the season. But I want to go back to one person you mentioned, Noah Fant. He is my breakout tight end this year in fantasy drew lock will get in the ball he'll get in the ball a lot he was amazing down the stretch with lock last year and we also know that it usually takes a tight end a year sometimes two until he gets everything under his belt so i think he has a chance to pop this year in denver gasicki by the way gasicki yeah. is a very tough call for me because yeah. i get it um he is very talented he does look a little bit like Kelsey on some plays. I just don't think he's a complete player. But, again, there are issues in the receiving core with Alan Hearns and, That's why, yeah. and Albert Wilson opting out. I mean, he could be a big slot for them. So it's a tough one. Um, I could absolutely see it. I'll curse myself if he has a full breakout that I wasn't all in. But I can't say I'm all in, but I totally get it. I, you know, there's another couple of guys I like, too. Who I can't expect a lot of volume, and that's the problem. But Johnu Smith and Blake Jarwin, and Irv Smith as well. Right, so bottom line, there are a bunch of tight ends available this year. A lot of intriguing options, young guys now. Of course, not everyone is going to hit. We've seen this in the past, but after the top three or four guys, there are a bunch of guys who have potential to do great things this year. Okay, that leaves us with the quarterbacks. And before you give your picks, John, what do you tell the people who want to take Lamar or want to take Mahomes early in the draft? Is it worth using that early pick on them? Because last year, we saw Lamar just separate himself from the rest of the crop. Is it worth using that early pick on a quarterback? Nah, it's not. I mean, let's be honest. Mahomes' breakout in 2018, he was like a 10th round pick. Same with Lamar yeah. last year. So you're, you're just not getting not worth any value whatsoever. And you'll leave yourself likely a deficiency at the critical running back position. So I want to get maximum value for my quarterback. Now, I will say, if I'm in round five or six, and all leagues are different, by the way. Some leagues, this guy may fall to the seventh or eighth or ninth round. But if I'm in a tough league, a draft, and, you know, maybe I'm in round five, I'm like, you know, I really don't like these running backs. Uh, I'm not feeling anything at tight end. You know, wide receiver I've already addressed, and it's deep. I I'll take Dak, um, who I have with uh, 36 touchdowns, second on the board here. But ideally, I want to hold off even more. So I'm actually kind of out on 
Kyler, I did love him last year. I had him in my top 12. I think he's a little expensive. Russell, I loved last year. I had him at five, and his ADP was like QB 11. He was great for two and a half months, right? And then then he fell off a cliff. Watson is good. I'm fine with him, but I'm not targeting him. The guy, the first guy I find myself actively targeting would be Josh Allen. Certainly has deficiencies as a thrower of the football. The downfield accuracy is not not good yet. He did improve incrementally, though, in the short to intermediate area last year, getting the ball to Cole Beasley, which I do think bodes well for Stephon Diggs because, you know, he's always open and he'll, he'll put up yards after the catch. But at the end of the day, Josh Allen is one of the many running quarterbacks, 17 rushing touchdowns the last two years. He's the cheapest. More than Lamar. Yeah, he's the cheapest of the running quarterbacks. That's why I like him. I've, I've always been a Carson Wentz guy. I, I'll continue to be. Uh, finally, they have got some juice and speed, like watching paint dry last year, watching them try to throw the football. I've been right on Matt Ryan now three years in a row. He's Mr. Every other year. So I'm going for it again. Uh, I'm back in. Uh, if I miss out on those guys, I- I'm very high on Daniel Jones. Price is involved here. He is very affordable, but he runs. I like the ascension. It reminds me of an old school quarterback ascension really like a like a Peyton Manning really and and certainly he's got a relationship with the Mannings I uh, fully expect Baker Mayfield to play very well this year I I, I, I'm throwing the tape away Ari from last year I'm all in on Baker this year I really am I mean like I know it's a new head coach and everything but the offensive tackles are set the weapons are all there and you know the thing that's interesting to me Baker has been ultra quiet this offseason like all his coaches say he's locked in there's no hype like last year I think he's going to break out this year yeah yeah the problem is he's not going to get a ton of volume but I I think he could sneakily rush in two or three and and account for 30 touchdowns if if all goes well and you mentioned that O-line I mean, man, it was it bad last year. And he, he just lost his way. Kind of a disjointed coaching staff, little schism there and mm-hmm. bad O-line and OBJ, you know, not showing up to voluntary workouts. And it was kind of a perfect storm of uh, negativity there. Burrow, I, I'm very high on overall as well. I kind of like Jared Goff a lot this year, actually, as a, as a value. I, I really like the Ram offense. A uh, lot of weapons, a lot of diversity there with their tight ends and all the receivers. Of course, Cam has probably got the best chance to kind of blow the doors off his ADP. <laughs> yes. At the very least. Uh, then I like very, very late. I know I know he's frustrating, but the Raider offense I think is going to be pretty good. I may take a shot with Derek Carr. I'm not a Mariota believer at all. Totally. This is now their third year together with Carr and Gruden. It most likely is a make or break year there. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it probably is a make-or-break year there for Derek Carr with the Raiders. Okay, so we did all the players that we like. We went position by position. Let's talk about some players we are avoiding this year. Who are some guys you are lower on than consensus? Guys being drafted too early for your liking. Give me a roundup of some guys in that category. Yeah, I think I covered the quarterbacks, basically the studs, yeah. Mahomes and Lamar and uh, Kyler Russell and uh, Watson. Again, nothing against them. They'll be fine, just a little pricey. And then Tom Brady, oh, boy, I mean, I, he's a top 10 guy, but new team, all that. He's a high rep guy, and I, I think he's a little worried right now that, you know, it's a new offense and he, he's not getting those reps. And the thing about Ari, Tom Brady, and the guys like him and Drew Brees, too, is – it's all about the running quarterbacks. Like, if you're not running, yeah. you need to throw for, like, 300 with a couple of touchdowns every week. I mean, is Tom going to do that every week in September? 
I mean, he for sure could, right? But it's hard to envision it happening every single week to start the season in the current circumstances with a new team, right? Yeah, I mean, Breeze might. Breeze might. It's certainly not a lock, but Breeze might. Oh, and by the way, Aaron Rodgers, forget it. Oh, yes. That's the guy we forgot about. What is he, like quarterback 13 right now? That's what I saw on ESPN. I've got him at 20. I mean, they're telling you what they're going to do. They're going to be a run-based team, and they did not address the receiving core. It's awful. You know, he's no spring chicken. I think there's a lot of things that can go wrong there. I mean, well, God forbid Devontae Adams gets hurt again. Oh, my God. Where the hell's he throwing it to? So that's a problem. And then at running back, it's kind of, you know, the counterpoint to, you know, get running backs – um, it's, you know, kind of the conversely getting running backs on, you know, with their best football in front of them. I am uh, letting the guys go past me who have the best football in the rear view. Uh, that would be, of course, Todd Gurley, yes. David Johnson. I can't do James Conner. Just the injuries are a contract concern. year. Contract year, though. I mean, there, there might be some sort of correlation you know, with his cancer treatment and, and the type of injuries that he consistently sustains there. It's speculation and that's dangerous, but mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's indisputable that the guy does take on a lot of contact and, and certainly, you know, breaks down. And that's the same with Chris Carson. I'm probably out on him too. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, Le'Veon Bell, eh, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's great that he's in great shape again. Uh, the O-line's a little bit better. Uh, he's not that expensive, but when he's going off the board, I, I, I feel like I already got, I'm going to have my two top running backs and I'm probably looking at wide receivers then. So, mm -hmm. and I don't find myself being attracted to David Montgomery as a fourth round pick. I, I'm, I don't necessarily trust it. I don't think they'll get him the ball in the passing game as much as we'd like to see for a guy like him who can do it because they've got Tariq Cohen right. and he wasn't very good last year. So, no. and then Devin Singletary is a good player, but between Josh Allen vulturing touchdowns and Zach Moss, you know, taking up that Frank Gore role, I'm not sure about him. DeAndre Swift. I mean, it's the lions and running backs. I mean, no, no, again, no offense to Swift, but. I'm out there. And then Raheem Mostert, forget it. I mean, you know, I'm always wary of running backs who kind of come out of nowhere late in the season. And then everyone, the next year, everyone's like, oh, yeah, let's get this guy, even though he was cut 17 times. He was good last year. Also, Ronald Jones, I'm, I'm out on Ronald Jones. Yeah, I don't really know what to expect when Bruce Arians talks about his running backs. I mean, the guy is all over the map with that. So yeah, I yeah. feel like whatever Tom Brady wants as his running back, that guy is going to be the running back. We don't know who that is yet. I want to ask you about one more running back here. Evan Silva was on here last week. He said he's avoiding Leonard Fournette. Where are you on that? Oh, yeah, I forgot. That's the, that's the number one avoid on my list. Well, actually, number two now behind Gurley. They tried to trade him. No, no takers. I know it's the final year of his rookie deal, but Jay Gruden wants to work in a pass-catching specialist. That's why Chris Thompson is there. I'm not ruling out if he has another incident, them just cutting ties with him. So that's why I like Reichwell Armstead as a stash and hope guy. But I, I'm out on Leonard, too. I, I, I do not trust Fournette. All right, so I think we're all on the same page there with Fournette, that's for sure. As you said, someone who was on the trade block, someone who's been in some situations there in Jacksonville, and he declined his fifth-year option as well. All right, let's talk about some rookies here. And we saw a bunch of rookie skill players getting drafted this year. 
Who are your favorites this year at running back and receiver? And does no OTAs, no preseason limited training camp affect you when coming to drafting these guys? Certainly, it's a little bit of a concern, obviously. But as we've learned, running back is is probably the easiest position to pick up as a rookie. So um, I've, I've been in on Clyde Edwards-Alaire from day one. Obviously, the Damon Williams news is, is tremendous. And if you heard the podcast I did with Adam Schefter last week, he did say early return really good here on Edwards Alaire. I love Jonathan Taylor again. I I I can't get past the 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 notion and and just envisioning him running behind this old line. Uh so I'm going to not ignore the presence of Marlon Mack. I I just don't think you move up in round number 2 to take a very high-end talent in Taylor and then put him in a committee of sorts. Right. Um and I love Cam Akers as well uh for the Rams. A versatile uh, deadly in the screen game, boy. I mean, he could he could catch a pass in the flat and take it a long way. Uh, good, good nuanced runner, very smart. Um, he's not really a make you miss kind of a guy, but he's a nice glider, if you will. Um, I'm out on Swift. I'm intrigued by Keyshawn Vaughn. Antonio Gibson obviously is the ultimate wild card. I would be willing to take him over Peterson. AJ Dillon is is a, is a little bit of a mystery. Let's be honest there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think he'll have a, a decent career. McFarland's really intriguing uh, for the Steelers. But I do think, by the way, Benny Snell is a handcuff. The running back that I think is fascinating is J.K. Dobbins. And I think yeah. that people are taking him too early this year. Seventh-round pick. And, look, I'm on record as stating if Mark Ingram is gone in 2021, J.K. Dobbins will be a number-one pick. I mean, you cannot ask for a better environment than Baltimore with what they do and Greg Roman does with that diverse running game, game with Lamar. I mean, just gaping holes to run through. Yeah. Uh, so Dobbins is going to eat. Uh, I just don't know if he does. I mean, where's the urgency to play Dobbins? I know he's really good, but so is Mark Ingram. So number one, you know, he's not unseating Mark Ingram unless Ingram's dinged up. Number two, they want to get Justice Hill a little bit more involved. You know, he does have a lot of dynamic ability as a changeup. And then it really comes down to Gus Edwards because – you know, I know Gus Edwards is kind of just a guy, but, you know, he's experienced. He's been over five yards of carry the last two years. He brings a different look in that he's big. He's 235. You know, Dobbins could, you know, carve out a role for sure, you know, starting in October or something like that and, and have a lot of juice. But I don't know about you, but are you taking a seventh-round pick on a guy who you, you may not even be able to even consider starting for half the season? Yeah, let me tell you this. Um, I love Dobbins as a player. I think the Ravens stole him where they got him, but exactly. I'm not taking him in the seventh round just because unlike the Colts with Taylor where they traded up to get him, the Ravens, Dobbins just fell to them and they were like, we got to take him here. That's the way I look at it. So, you know, they have Ingram, as you said, next year they could get out of that Ingram contract. And if that happens, Dobbins is going to be a great pick in that offense next year. But as of right now, especially in the seventh round, I'm not sure if I'm taking J.K. Dobbins there. Not for me, at least. Yeah, yeah. So we're sharing a brain there. Wide receiver-wise, again, my three that I've isolated uh, that I feel like can rise above these challenges are Michael Pittman, uh, four-year player at USC. I've, I've interacted with him a number of times in person and on the radio. Great kid. Uh, we all know who his dad is. Mm -hmm. um, can do it all, really. I mean, you know, bubble screens, red zone, I mean, the guy blocked a punt in college, so uh, I like him. Uh, Henry Ruggs, more of a run-after-the-catch guy. 
that's fine. I, I think Derek Carr can get him the ball. I think they'll move him all over the place and manufacture touches for him. And then, of course, Rager, very similarly in Philadelphia. Now, I do love Judy as a general statement. Lamb, I, I think, is a little more volatile than people think, but, you know, he's a tough call. He's a baller. You know, you know, reminded a lot of people of DeAndre Hopkins, who, by the way, I did not like either. I thought was, um, you know, a little overhyped, and uh, I was exactly wrong on that call. So I could mm -hmm. be wrong on Lamb as well. Jefferson eh, is a little bit of a tough call. If I knew he was in the slot, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be fine with him. Uh, but he'll probably be good, not great. Ayuk this year is – That's the one I want to know about. Ayuk is very intriguing to me. I just – I just worry just a little bit. You know, I actually pulled Kyle Shanahan aside last year and I said, coach, uh, I could be com coming out of left field with this, but boy, it felt to me like you, you only used Debo or gave Debo or worked with Debo with like 30% of your passing game. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's not outrageous of a statement. You know, in other words, they kind of manufactured touches for him and, yeah. you know, use him as a runner and all that. I mean, I'm sure IU can do that. But with a, you know, COVID-19 offseason, it is a complicated offense. At the end of the day, in a fantasy draft, if he's available at 150, I'll take a shot on talent and, and landing spot. But I wouldn't be shocked if he, you know, underwhelmed just a little bit this year. Yeah, the only reason I really like Ayuk is because Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were prepared. They were ready to take him, and they've said this. They were ready to take him at 14 if Kinlaw was not there. They draft Kinlaw, and then they were sweating it out because they were picking at 31. They thought he was not going to be there because they thought, I believe, Green Bay was going to take him. So they traded up, I think, to 25 it was, to go and get IU. Kyle Shanahan loves this kid. I think he'll have a lot of opportunities. And now, especially with Debo out, likely to miss a couple of games to start the year, I think this is someone who's going to have a lot of opportunities in this offense with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, yeah, uh, all fair, but they also they, they will run the ball a ton. That's one of the reasons Kittle only gets five touchdowns every year, and, and I do expect Kittle to have a monster year. And they do have some other players. I mean, Dante Pettis isn't dead yet, and I did ask Shanahan about him last year, and he did seemingly like him and said he could play all three receiver spots, uh, you know, as a rookie, which could, could be needed this year. Um, he was in the doghouse last year, though. Uh, he also told me that Trent Taylor, I know this quote's been out there everywhere, but he told me personally that Trent Taylor was their best uh, offensive player in their camp last year, which is kind of crazy. Jalen Hurd too, by the way. And him too, yeah. Yeah, he, he's a guy who, he shined last year at training camp. There were a bunch of positive reports about him, and then he got hurt, missed the entire year. But he'll be back this year. But going back to Ayuk, I really believe he is someone who has a chance to have a great rookie season in this offense with Shanahan, with Garoppolo, and the rest of the crew there. A really intriguing player for sure. Two more things here I want to do before we wrap this up. For the people who are getting ready to draft, what should be their strategy? What do you recommend in a year like this where there is COVID, where things can change with the snap of a finger? What are some tips you will give to people who are getting ready to draft? Yeah, certainly. I think the narrative has been out there that you want to, you know, be a little skeptical more so than usual with all rookies, especially those involved in the passing game, which is all about timing and chemistry and reps that they have not been able to get. 
teams with new head coaches and offensive coordinators. I think the Panthers really stand out. New head coach, new unproven OC and play caller in Brady, new quarterback. Oh, boy, new, new outside receiver in Robbie Anderson, mm-hmm. battle line, yeah. things like that. And then, of course, conversely, we want to give more love and pay more attention to the teams that have great continuity like the aforementioned Niners and the Saints and the Eagles, even the Cowboys. But also I want to cherry pick, you know, because the narrative is so strong that, oh, avoid all rookies and all that and avoid new head coaches. I want to cherry pick maybe the the situations that, again, can rise above that with those rookie wideouts. And then like within Cleveland, I, for some reason, don't really – I'm not worried at all about Stefanski being a first-year head coach because, as you mentioned, all the moves they've made, it's just so perfect. And the offense that they want to run is so perfect for Baker. I'm still, like, like all in. So, um, in terms of, you know, just using common sense, too, in terms of, like, a draft plan, I mean, very simple. Hold off a little on the quarterback at your best value. Aggressively target appealing upside ascending running backs and, and load up as much as you can. Be smart with wide receiver and know that there's great depth. Get a couple of high-end guys for sure, but maybe try to take advantage of that depth. And then and then try to get a value at the tight end position. You know, Kittle is great and uh, Kelsey's great, but my, my breakout tight end last year that I drafted in uh, my number one league at 138 overall was Mark Andrews, okay? And yeah, he's going boom. like 40 overall. I want that guy this year. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's it's going to be so interesting this year because, again – you're going to have to be tracking stuff up to the minute because things can change all of a sudden. Saturday afternoon, some guy could be placed on the COVID list. You got to make changes right away. So it's, it's, it's going to be a much different year compared to what we've had in the past when it comes yep, yep. to football and in fantasy football. So for both. All right, let's wrap this up here with a quick five. We do this every week. And what I want to do this week is I'll give you some teams around the NFL that have multiple good players at the same position. Let me know which player you would prefer in fantasy or if you're just completely avoiding it this okay. year. Number one, the Rams wide receiver situation, Cupper Woods. I'm going with Robert Woods because when last year down the stretch, they played a lot more 12 personnel, cup snaps and targets and production were down. And Bobby Trees, as I call him, he is uh, you know destined to get a little bit luckier in the touchdown department. But I do love Cup, but I'm going Bobby Woods. All right, Robert Woods, he's like Mr. Reliable. I mean, nothing flashy about the guy, but he just gets the job done. I mean, that's yep. just what he is. I mean, no and he's also looking for a new contract, by the way. Number two here, the Bucks tight end situation. Gronk, Howard, Braid, how are you looking at this? I'm probably avoiding. I just don't know what to expect from Gronk. I don't know. Will his snaps be somewhat limited? Will he be a little bit more of a red zone specialist, third down guy? I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I know he's a little – he's pretty affordable – but again, I, I, I like to target young ascending tight ends and, and that's kind of been my specialty over the last 25 years. Um, you know, I was all over Antonio Gates, Jimmy mm. Graham, Travis Kelsey. I, I just love it. It's like a hobby of mine. So I'm <laughs> out on Gronk. All right. So you're out on the Bucks trio of tight ends. What about this trio? You mentioned one of them before with Darius Slayton. What do you think of the Giants wide receivers? Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. Is Slayton number one for you? Yes, I think he is because he's their best pure outside receiver and uh, very athletic and um, click with Daniel Jones. But I will say we know it's coming. Golden Tate will ball out per usual. 
Yes, Golden Tate is somebody who was suspended four games last year during training camp. It was Eli Manning's job. When he got back, it was Daniel Jones' job, a new quarterback coming in, a little bit difficult at first. So he is somebody who is awesome in PPR, but Slayton was amazing last year as a fifth-round pick. He had a great chemistry with Daniel Jones. Sterling Shepard is somebody who has struggled with concussions. Um, but that trio of receivers is very interesting to me. It's really hard to figure out exactly who's the guy in fantasy. You like Slayton, though. Number four, staying in the NFC East, the Washington running back situation now that Darius Geis is out. How do you see this one? Well, it's going to be Peterson. He's going to be the early down back. I, I don't expect him to get you know a million carries, but 200-plus. But I'm a play-to-win guy if if – if I have to make a call in PPR in round nine, whatever it is, I, I'm probably still going Antonio Gibson because sometimes, and, and again, I don't want to throw shade on Peterson because he's ridiculous at this point, but I think I'd rather lose than try to win with a guy like Peterson. Right. Adrian Peterson, fantasy hall of famer. That's for sure. Alrighty. Last one here. And another guy you did mention earlier, but I want to get your take on him. Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay. I mean, I know you like Gordon, but Philip Lindsay was the guy there. Yeah, it's got to be Gordon. Uh, as I mentioned, they, they had some questions about Lindsey in pass pro. And, you know, he runs hard. He runs like a, like a, like a bell cow. He's just not big enough to be a bell cow. He's not, he's not a particularly great receiver out of the backfield. I hate to say anything negative about him. He's such a great story. But um, I remember Mark Schlereth uh, came on my radio show, and he's out of Denver mm -hmm. after week one of 2018. I was like, because I was not a Royce Freeman guy. I was like, uh-oh, I think Royce Freeman people have a problem. And he came on. He said, look, every single thing this guy was asked to do as an undrafted guy, he did. And he, he did it at a high level. And he said, this is going to continue, which it did. But again, he's a let's be honest here. At the end of the day, a little bit of an overachiever. And I think they wanted to upgrade and get a bell cow. Interesting. Yeah, th this is easily the one that I am really intrigued about just because Lindsey really was the guy. He was the undrafted player who became the starter, who did really well. And then all of a sudden, here you go and you signed Melvin Gordon to, what was it, a two-year, $16 million deal, right? Yeah, decent money. And they bring him in. So I get where you're coming from, but what are they going to do? You cannot just throw Lindsay to the side, right? So maybe they split it up, maybe go off the hot hand, whatever it is. That's a very interesting running back situation there in Denver. All right, John, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast here this week. Everyone can go and follow you on Twitter. It is at fantasy underscore guru the website once again it is fantasypoints.com john i want to give you the stage one more time let everyone know about the site let everyone know about the crew you're building there at fantasypoints.com yeah myself and um joe dolan tom brawley uh worked over at the other site uh fantasy guru and, and joe dolan has been on CSXM for uh over a decade um we have had the most accurate preseason projections for per fantasy pros mm -hmm. uh over the last five i think it's seven years five years i mean we finished first twice second once uh and then like a top 10 finish so we've done really well there not to mention graham barfield who worked mm -hmm. with us as well at that website was at nfl.com for, yeah. 
for two years. Now he's back. Scott Barrett of Pro Football Focus. So we all bring different things to the table in the equation, not to mention Greg Cosell and Adam Kaplan and a bunch of other great contributors, a couple of doctors on staff. And by the way, if you don't mind, uh, for your listeners who are interested in subscribing, I could throw out a promo code for 10% off, Hanson10, H-N-S-E-N. So there it is. Hanson10 is the promo code. FantasyPoints.com is the website. You have an all-star crew there, as I said before. John, thanks for coming on and sharing all that insight. You got it. Anytime. uh, Talk to you down the line, man. Special thank you to John Hansen for coming on the podcast this week and for sharing all that insight and information and the strategies and the tips as the 2020 fantasy football season gets closer and closer. There should be one more fantasy episode before the regular season. Make sure you are subscribed to the My Sports Update Football Podcast so you'll get an alert as soon as a new episode drops. That does it here for this week's episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for downloading. Pads are officially going on at camps around the NFL starting this week. Things are happening, of course. Make sure you're not only following the My Sports Update Twitter page, but you also have notifications on so you'll get instant alerts as to what is going on in the National Football League. I am your host, Ari Merov. I'll be back with another episode and another special guest next week. Until then, have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>